everybody. Thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. You can catch the show on the Stitcher app as well. If you like listening to audio on YouTube, the show's usually up there within a day. You can like the podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. My email is josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. Philly Sketch Fest is presenting Philly Sketch Fringe on September 15th at the Playground at the Adrian. Three shows featuring some of the best comedy in Philly, including The Decoy, Dog Mountain, John and Ian, House of Solitude, The Prince, Mean Wendy Band, High Drama, and Secret Pants. Tickets are available at myfirstsketch.com slash sketchfringe. And that will take you to the Ticket Supply site. Today's guest is Dan Vetrano, currently a member of Dan and Chris. He's doing an hour of stand-up at Good Good Comedy this Sunday, August 13th at 8.30. But this is a sketch comedy podcast. So the sketch he brought with him is called Access Entertainment. Dan Vetrano plays Chaz Breeze. And Megan Thibodeau reads Chase Fields. So let's go to the sketch. Welcome to Access Entertainment, your fast pass to the stars. I'm your host, Chase Fields. Coming up at the end of the show, we've got the premiere of the new trailer starring Angelina Jolie and Benedict Cumberbatch. I've seen it, looks pretty steamy, but first, let's check in with our gossip guru, Shaz Breeze. Thanks, Chase. So Shaz, tell us, who's been locking lips in Tinseltown? Well, guess who was spotted dining with Tom Hiddleston at the Ivy? Oh, I can't wait to hear. But wait, didn't you say last week he was on a date with Ariana Grande? Ooh, my apologies, Chase. That goss was cold. So cold, it was gospacho. But don't worry, this goss goss is hot. It's so hot, you're going to need oven mitts just to touch it. Otherwise, you're going to be taking a little trip to the gospital. Well, who was it? We want to hear it. All right, don't say I didn't warn you. It was Tom Hiddleston and Jennifer Lawrence. Wow. But Chaz, what happened to Jennifer Lawrence and Nick Jonas? Well, Chase, sounds like you just ordered your goss rare because it is juicy. Although, I'm pretty sure when I'm finished, you're going to tell me, well done. Word on the street is that Nick Jonas got Uh, kicked J-Law to the curb to get back together with (gasps) Taylor Swift. Whoa, that is a little hard to believe. Oh, I wouldn't lie to you. This is straight from the gospel, according to Shaz, chapter 22, verse 7. Well, that sure is hot, Goss. Speaking of Shaz, I heard you were spotted with a certain fashion designer on your arm at Grauman's Chinese Theater. That is none of your business, Chase. My life is private, off limits, so stay out of it. Do you understand? Shaz, I'm sorry. I I was just making conversation. Speaking of conversation starters, did you hear who was at the opening of Club Murmur? (gasps) Mick Jagger. And guess who he was sharing bottle service with? Victoria's Secret model, Alessandro Ambrosio. 
And here I thought a Rolling Stone gathers no goss. Oh, and speaking of Club Murmur, I thought I saw you there last night. I thought we talked about this, Chase. You know, you're creating a, a real goss-style work environment. I don't know why you're so obsessed with digging up aspects of my personal life. What, do you got to go through my garbage at night like a little rat? I'm just using your little rat teeth to gnaw through my personal life just like it's another morsel? Just looking for another morsel like it's cheese? Well, guess what? Huh, there's no cheese here. So I guess you're just going to have to mind your own goddamn business. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, Chase. I didn't mean any of it. It's just things have been really rough lately. I've been going through a divorce. Shaz, I didn't know. It's so hard. My whole world is being torn apart. I, I don't know what to do. I've just been bottling up all my emotions, you know, just keeping myself. Hey. Do you want to talk about it? Have you been ignoring me this whole time? Stand on my life, you little voyeur. It's not for your prying eyes. What are you going to get it through your head? Me, Gossa, is not Sue Gossa. You're just a little snake in the grass, just waiting to sink your teeth into the ankle of my affairs. You're not my friend. You don't care about me. You just come to me for gossip. So I, uh... Heard you have some gossip on Jessica Alba. Ooh, could you tell? I guess I have a bit of a Alba goss around my neck. Word on the street is that she's gay. Huh, where did you hear that? Well, over the last few years, I befriended her, gained her trust, and she confided in me. Jeez, Shaz, outing someone who considers you a close personal friend? That seems a bit unethical. Personal life! Personal life! Personal life! Okay, okay. Hey, Dan. Hello. All right, so tell me about that sketch. Where did it come from? Where did you get that idea? Uh, so Chris McGrail, my sketch partner, and I, mm -hmm. we are, um, we've you know, been writing sketch together, sketch together for years and years. And what we do, our style of writing sketch comedy is we don't do anything for the month. Um, <laughs> yeah, the you guys month. are very... Uh Last minute, like... Yes, extremely last minute. It's only, like, the first... The last couple of days of, that it comes down <laughs> to the wire where we actually focus. But the rest of the time where we get together for our writers' meetings, um, it's just us uh, <laughs> talking about gossip. It's just gossiping. <laughs> just like, so what'd you hear? Did you read on Facebook? That person, oh, that was a bad opinion, blah, blah, blah. And, like, and so we were just, like... We've been doing this for years where we just, instead of writing sketch, when we're supposed to be writing sketch, we just gossip about people we know. <laughs> Which, so, like, there's a part of me that I don't see McGrail doing that. Like, Oh, he loves it. Like, I can picture McGrail, like, in a set setting, and there's just, like, this weird anti-gossip to him. Or, like, <laughs> or he's just going to throw, like, oh, this weird non-sequitur, like, in the middle of it. Because that's what, he, that's what he does to me, at least. Like, just this random story of, like... We, yeah. Like, we were hanging out a couple months ago after the Goat Rodeo show, and we talked about Dutch Wonderland for, like, a half hour. <laughs> like, just so weird. Oh, yeah. I mean, but if you if you had brought up, like, a, you know, a saucy Facebook post, that Dutch Wonderland conversation. <laughs> he would have forgotten about that completely. It would have been cut, shut, cut short immediately. Yeah. I'll have to remember that. Um, yeah, that's a good way to steer him. <laughs> uh, so, um, what came first for you? Was it sketch comedy or stand-up? Uh, it was stand-up, but it was like they were they were pretty close. I started doing stand-up um, 
Um, the first time I did it was at this uh, bar called Taboo, mm-hmm. which is a gay bar. And they were doing like a non, well, it was just like an open mic for anybody. It wasn't even like gay themed or whatever. Right. Um, and so I wound up doing a show, and this was before I even came out, actually. And I was doing a show there, which was like a sketch comedy show. Um, or it was actually really more of an improv show. It was called Sketch Playground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was like, uh, you know, I was a place where people could come and try out sketches. And really only improv people showed up. Right. And so it was a lot of improv sets. So to keep the title, instead of changing it to Improv Playground, I was like, no, I like the title Sketch Playground. <laughs> so I just wrote sketches to do in between the acts. Okay. Well, that's and, helpful. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, so... So improv people are coming to what you want to be a sketch show. So you decide to write all the sketch, like, or at least, you know, to fill the the space. Is it just you and McGrail? Like, no. So we actually, we had a couple of like, right. McGrail was like the most standby writer who was there each week. Um, and I guess I should say it was also open to improvisers, mm-hmm. but I was like, Oh, I'll call it sketch playground. Improvisers can show up as well. <laughs> And improvisers only showed up, right. uh, and which was fine. So, but what we would do for like in terms of like writers is um, we would have a different guest host each uh, uh, show, which was bi-weekly. It was every two weeks. Wow. And yeah, bad idea. <laughs> Way too intense. I'm already anxious about Anything, that. Like, yes, yeah, <laughs> two weeks to write five sketches, uh, like is just you know, and you're gossiping the whole time, like I said. <laughs> so you know, this is you know. It was tricky. So what we did would we, um, I we would have the person that was the guest host, uh, you know, a la Saturday Night Live. We would have them help write the sketches. Okay. We'd meet twice, uh, and you know, sometimes the guest host was like, mm, I just want to do stand up up yeah. top, and yeah. But I would like basically try to like force them into like all these stupid bits that we would come up with. Uh, and yeah, and we would just like, we would just kind of have people pop in and be like, hey, I'll like come brainstorm some sketches. So it was really open to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there were you know a couple of other people that when were. When was this roughly? This was uh, like oh, 2011-ish? Geez. Yeah, around like, like 2011, exactly. Um, it ran for a year. Yeah. It's uh, the longest year of my life. Because I remember like. And I don't know if you know this, but like there's a bit of contention because Chris was working with you because, you know, we mentioned Chris McGrail. I was in a sketch comedy group with McGrail. Mm -hmm. You guys were working together and he was working with us. And like there's always kind of like this like back and forth like, no, McGrail, focus on one. Yeah. It's like who's going to who's going to get your time, which is a little unfair. But like considering that there's so many people doing multiple projects at once, like if, if Chris wants to do multiple things. Do multiple things, like of but course, yeah. <laughs> wasn't there another sketch group for you? Um, well, I was in Dog Mountain, no, but, but f- wasn't there like um, I was? I can, in, and I can edit oh, all this yes, out. What? Of course, was, oh, I, I purposely forgot about it. But oh, like <laughs> is this something I should not? <laughs> no, no, no. We can gloss my, over and move on from. Was, no, no, no. I love wasn't these it guys. So it was Ricketts? Kids with Ricketts. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kids with Ricketts. So I wasn't going crazy. Like, I wasn't misplacing you in another group. (laughs) Kids with Ricketts was a very interesting... We had a couple of sketches that we were proud of. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is not a good start, right? Here's the thing. My voice gets all high. Here's the thing with Kids with Ricketts. Our success rate was 20-something percent. Yes, yeah. We 
did a lot of sketches, and I think one of them people enjoyed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was there were some really cool. So there was this guy, uh, Evo Tomasco, and he was, right. um, and he was like a really funny sketch writer, and he was in it, um, and. You know, he had Alex Pizzotta and um, Matt Sang and, like, people who, like, still perform comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know Matt still regularly performs. But for the most part, it was just, like, um, we were, like, a bunch of dudes that really couldn't seem to get our schedules, like, right. all together. And it was different levels of commitment from, sure. like, you know, uh, some of us were, like, we got to really, like, crank out the best sketch to, like... Do I really want to be here? Yeah, I think I think that's a common thing with sketches is like you have to, you know, match commitment levels. Yeah. And then schedules and then mm-hmm. like sense of humor might be like the last like, you know, having a similar sense of humor might yeah. be the last thing that might need to overlap because we'll figure that out later, but if we can all be at this day at the same time like all right, step 1, like we're good. Right, yeah. Because it's really about comedy. It's really yeah. more about just. We'll figure out the schedule. jokes later. Yeah. Like, because uh, I remember you guys doing like you know theme shows and you know like, and I think you guys just had as short run or as long as run as Judo Range did for the most part. Yeah. Cause... And Chris was actually uh, in Kids with Their Kids as well. Right. But I think he was just like not into yeah. it. <laughs> he was... Or he was you know being yelled at by us in Judo Range or whatever. Oh, that's right, like, yeah. Now now that you're saying it, I do remember <laughs> he, him, like, showing up to, like, some kids with her, he's like, yeah, um, they're kind of bummed that I'm not at their meetings and I'm focusing on this. And then I was just like, well, who are they to speak? <laughs> now I'm, like, thinking. And this I'm whole like, contentious, like, fake yeah. rivalry yeah. in my head now. Um, yeah. So what were you into growing up? What, what made you laugh? What, what were you watching? Uh, I watched a lot of stand. I got into stand up pretty early, like mm-hmm. Comedy Central. I'd watch like um, all like the, uh, you know, like uh, Comedy Central remix, or I guess it was called. It was like basically all these like yeah. stand up specials, and and some of them like I go back and I'm like, well, that person wasn't fu- isn't funny at all. But just like getting into the idea of stand up was, you know, something I would always watch Comedy Central. Like any specific time. people like that really jump out for you? Um, early on, so I. I always loved Jerry Seinfeld, actually, mm-hmm. and I still do like his stand-up. But most people are like, oh, Seinfeld's great, but his stand-up is, of course, not good. And then everybody's like, yeah, of course, his stand-up is terrible. And I'm like the one, that guy, that's like, I think it's kind of good, actually. <laughs> that, um, this, the set that he did that I'm telling you for the last time set, you know, like, he, he did, he did a, like, an HBO movie of, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the set that he's been doing for 10 years. Right, and, like, right. you know, it was supposed to be the last time he did it, and then he'd rewrite stuff. Like, that's funny good funny, stuff yeah. <laughs> i think with seinfeld like he's become that like what's the you know like he's become that like image of what's the deal with airplane food yes. you know like which kind of like self parodies and like you know like it's been yeah it's been parodied so much and also like i think that comedy has evolved so much from like just the the most basic observations yeah where it's like now you're either like an alternative observational yeah. comedian like it's it's almost hard to think that you could make a movie like Airplane today, where it's just like very joke dense, but also like very silly. Yeah. Because people are just like, ah, this has no substance. This is like '80s humor, and it's like, well, let's, you know, what? Yeah, because like if you think about it, the parody movies that have come up have done nothing, or they're del- like straight to DVD. Like, yeah. You know, after scary movies. Like even scary movies, you can see there's a awful like yeah like the first one's decent, the second one's okay, and then yeah. it's just like 
mudslide of awfulness. I think like the isn't like the third one kind of good or like the third or fourth one had like a like a good producer. I don't know much. I, about yeah, that. I think there's like, one where the 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 airplane guys came yes, on or something. Like, I think it was the third one. Yeah. And um, it, and that was that was actually like good, but yeah, even those movies. So it's like they they tried making movies like that, but you know you have to have like airplane level writing. Yeah. you can't just have like date movie. And yeah, epic you, movie yeah, and all which these. is they're awful. Like I've I caught like tw- like twenty minutes of one on Comedy Central. I was like, this is not okay. Was it epic? Uh, like, <laughs> I, I think date I saw movie was epic. An I epic think, movie was romantic. I think strange. I saw superhero movie. Oh, that one too. With um. Toby Maguire. Drake Bell is the superhero. Drake Bell? Who's Drake Bell? Uh, from that like, Nickelodeon know. show, uh, Drake and Josh. Oh, oh, okay. Like, oh. for whatever reason, he was chosen to be the superhero. And it's well, all, he's like, from a Nickelodeon show, of course. Uh, like, obviously, you have to capitalize on that audience. He's got that Nickelodeon sex appeal. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Ugh. I'm known for in my comedy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Nickelodeon sex appeal. Probably the creepiest thing I've ever said. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so what motivated you to get on stage to try stand up first? Uh, so yeah, I was at that at uh, Taboo, mm-hmm. and I saw these guys. Um, it was H Foley who now lives in New York, and they okay. started Center City Comedy. It's the Center City co- Comedy Crew. Uh, so you know Tom Cassidy, Chris Cotton, and Noah Houlihan was um, who's still doing comedy. Mm. He uh, was performing and. It just looked really fun, like, you know, he was funny, and it was just like, there was like nobody there, because it's an open mic, yeah. and I was just like, well, I could perform to a bunch of chairs, that sounds fun, <laughs> <laughs> I could probably do that, and I remember then, like, so I did it my first time, and I, of course, like, when you first start doing comedy, all your friends show up, and they're mm. like, this is going to be amazing, you're going to go on stage, we're all going to love it. Uh, and and then you know a year in everybody's like I don't care about your yeah, it's over anymore. yeah but so the first time I remember my friend he was like I'm gonna film it and I was like oh no like it's not like a good idea <laughs> and he's like don't worry I'll film it until you don't you start bombing and then I'll put the phone away how quickly did the phone <laughs> go away <laughs> it went like I don't even know if I ever saw the phone I was gonna say like you walk out hi I'm Dan for trying to click we're done <laughs> yeah. like. But I also, like, not to blame him, but I also feel like it's tough to have a good set when you're, like, about to get a symbol at any moment that you're not doing well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm losing them, and it's lost. (laughs) What do you do? Just continue? The phone is gone, folks. (laughs) That's funny. So so there was a lot of pressure, but, I mean, my jokes also weren't good. Oh, it's your first time. I was like, hey, like this is cool. You can like go out and just do comedy and be bad. And then nobody really seems to care that no, much. No, it's yeah. like, I always say to people like, you know, Lauren Michaels isn't in the crowd tonight. Like you're not, yeah. you're not going to get discovered tonight. I mean, you might, but well, like Lauren Michaels was there. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah, he was at that gay bar. <laughs> he said, keep going. I'll have you on SNL real soon. <laughs> Give it five years or so. Yeah. Um, all right, so why then? Why do you start? I mean, you start such sketch comedy to fill the gap of the non-sketch people coming to your show. Yeah, so I was like one of those young comics where I was like, I want to do everything. Like I was like, you know, five months in, and I'm like, I need to reinvent the scene. Obviously, <laughs> the scene just needs to be reinvented, and I'm the hero. So <laughs> here I am. Let me just put on my cape, and then I like I saw like things that. You know, maybe had I looked for them more, um, I would have discovered them. But like, I I kind of noticed like there was no 
place for like uh, people to just like work out like sketches, like to yeah. just kind of like, I don't know, I might have even been before Sketch Up or Shut Up. Um, I'm not sure how old that show is actually. So it's, it's been around for a while. I don't know the okay, exact maybe creation date. That. But I probably just, like I said, I probably. But you could always have more, it. like yeah. you know. And it wasn't like uh, you know, so it was like, and for improv too, like I just you know, I hardly knew anything about either one of them. But I was like, there's no place where people can just work out their sketch and improv. Uh, and so like while doing stand up, I was like, well, I also want to be the you know comedy hero that we all need. Mm -hmm. So I, I like started that uh, sketch playground show and it's crazy, like the amount of support because it was it was free. It was biweekly. Um, it was not at a theater, which was yeah. actually there were not a lot of like sketch bar shows. No. Um, back in like that, like sketch bar shows. No, because you, know, you would have definitely predated uh Camp, Camp Woods had one at um, Latage. Right. And, and that was, I remember them doing that. I think Sketch Playground was before that. I, yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think it was. Yeah. yeah and yeah, like, yeah. and there was a point where Sketch had left the bars and gone to Fit because Fit had opened and like, you know, right. Secret Pants and everything was happening there. So yeah. you didn't have to go to Kyber or. or wherever exactly, else yeah. all the other shows are so yeah and it was so weird because it was like i had no idea i hadn't even seen improv when i started the show mm -hmm. i was like the show's gonna have improv didn't even know what it was and i was just like um you know like bring people in and people were like you know so receptive to it they're like this is so great that like you know you started this show for blah blah and i was like oh yeah it is yeah i'm a hero <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i had no idea what i was doing and the, i was very bad at running a show mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I'm not saying that this show changed anything in the city, but it was uh, something that people surprisingly seemed to like mm -hmm. when they really should have just hated me for being a new comic who thinks that they're gonna like create this cool show. Well, I mean, yeah. at one point you are like creating a space for people to do yeah. stuff, so that's a positive. Like, but who knows if it was really just because I wanted to be on stage? That's more. <laughs> that's fine too. Like, like I'm not gonna, you know piss and moan on that one either like as long as you're not like embezzling money or something out of it I, you know it's, i did do that a couple of times well, but I, mean, I gave that up real quick <laughs> yeah like there's not that much going to be involved in that scenario anyway so that's probably okay i think too. looking back i um i should have paid the writers more i would yeah. say that was something i wasn't embezzling because i was spending all the money on the props so i was like you know buying all these props and then um you, you had to think you know there's a back you know, a profit line that you have to hit yeah. before, like... There's something... That's just something I didn't understand, like, when I started comedy, is, like, you know, reimbursing people for their work. Yeah. Is, like... I was like, well, I bought all the props, so anyway, meet me at this cafe twice this week to write with me. And yeah. they were, like, giving their time, and I was like, you know... I was like, well, the props cost money, or time doesn't, but now I realize, like, oh, time, you do yeah, actually pay time, yeah. for time, Yeah. <laughs> As I'm doing a promotional thing that you're not going to get paid yeah. for. <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> you know, I am here. This is an advertisement for you. Yeah. Like, I actually showed up three hours ago. I expect to be reimbursed for that as well. <laughs> Just been sleeping in the basement. <laughs> and I'm not and leaving. <laughs> he made me spit out my water. Fantastic. Going for First time on this podcast that someone made me do that. Really? Yeah. That's a feat. Yeah, I'm going. You're, I'm going to leave it in because now I have to. Like, yeah, I could have just passed over it and like completely glossed over this entire portion. But I'm you hoping made you me take laugh. another sip. Like, I'm just going to try and <laughs> now, say yeah. Stuff. You, now you're just yeah. like waiting to drop a punchline in there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to not be funny until you're thirsty. <laughs> I'm going to go like 
I'm not going to drink anymore. All right. Uh, so, I say that to myself every day. <laughs> you mentioned um, that you were in Dog Mountain, which I totally forgot about. What were you like originally? A lot of people forgot that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Dog Mountain has changed a lot yeah, yeah, yeah. since its inception. So were you original cast or writer? Or? I wasn't original cast. I think they, they, um, I think they did like three shows before I was in it. Okay. And... I never wrote any, I never wrote a sketch. I think I maybe helped, no, I don't even think I helped at all with the writing. I was okay. only an actor. Okay. Um, and that's kind of how I wanted it to be because like I was doing stand up a lot at the time and so I was going back and forth and I was also doing a show, Hang On, um, which was like this very unique show that I did with Aaron Nevins and it would kind of actually, um, it would fall on the night of Dog Mountain shows. Right, right. A lot. Because so, I, yeah. he was always like the second, or he was always in the middle of the month, and the like house teams Friday, are usually yeah. middle of the month of, at, at FIT as well. Right, so. Yeah. so it was like a third Friday, third Saturday. So it was basically like the second or third show. There was just one show out of four shows where they would have to replace me. Yeah, so you wouldn't do it. So you would do Hang On. And, oh, I would do Hang On. Like they would completely of, yeah. overlap. It wasn't like I have to run out like right away to. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. How it did was, that go? Because they were happening at the same time. And right. They were in the same building, like right. just above each other. Or one was above the other. And it was like, um, it was weird because, yeah, I did feel bad about it because I was like, oh, you know, I'm clearly like, you know, I've been practicing all these lines and now somebody else has to learn my lines for just one run of a show. Yeah. I, but at the same time, we were getting like really good acts. Like yeah, had, Hang like, On had a decent buzz for a while. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. We were having like people from Saturday Night Live and like you know just pretty cool celebrities. And so I was like, I don't want to like you know not yeah. do one or pick one or the other because they're both cool things. Now you were what was it like audience? Like what the audience wrangler? Wrangler. Yeah. Okay, so what would you do during a, an episode, a live edition of Hang On? So, uh, Hang On is a talk show where anybody can talk during the entire show. Yeah. Um, they just raise their hand, and then I'm armed with a wireless microphone, and I would just run up to them, shove the microphone in their face, and see what they have to say. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, for all intents and purposes, I was a sidekick that would do that. So, like, I would just be, you know, like, I would not only just choose, like, who to call on and go up to them, um, but I would also, you know, be, like, commenting from the side. Right. and. Um, so it was like a psychic, but it was, it was really fun because like, it was just me like running around the theater, mm -hmm. like with somebody in the back and I'm like crawling over people just to try and get the microphone to them. So it was, it was fun. Uh, as you, as you work on stuff, like, do you have a different approach to working on your standup versus writing a sketch with McGrail or whenever you write a sketch? Like, do you like see an idea, like have an idea thought, like, is that a standup bit or a sketch idea for yourself? Yeah, it's um, it, it the approach. It is that's a really good question. So I think like the difference is like um, how much of like a like a punchline something is. Like if mm. I come up with like a really funny like one liner, I wouldn't really try to like write that into. Yeah, you can't pad that out. Yeah. To, yeah. Because then when you start to do that, you're like, oh, I'm exploring a world that isn't that interesting. Yeah. yeah. But um, so with sketch, it's like usually my approach um, and the way this is why Chris and I work so well is because like we come up with like character scenarios where mm -hmm. it's like we just did a show where um, just as an example, like where we were um, 
we did a sketch where it was two guys who like slept through the purge by accident. Okay. And so they just like, you know, overslept it. And it was because we were just watching the purge uh, election year. And we're just like, what if somebody just accidentally slept through this and they woke up and there were all these weapons and they're like, oh no, I was going to kill this person. <laughs> oh no, like I forgot to set my alarm. And it was just two guys who were really bummed about it. And like that, like to me, would never even be like a good stand-up mm, joke because right. I wouldn't get on stage and be like, "Can you imagine if you slept through that thing?" Right. Like but two characters, you can explore that. Yeah. The, the setup to that joke would be just completely like arduous. Yes. And not worth the the laugh at the end of it. Like, exactly. Yeah. And there's been so many like jokes that people make about it, but it's like if you really just play out these characters, like if you have an idea of like why somebody would act really ridiculous, that's like like I'm trying to think of like what comic it is. That there's like this trope of like, have you ever thought of this? Well, it might look something like this. You know, oh, yeah. that's what I'm picturing you guys like <laughs> almost doing. Like, hey, have you ever thought if you slept through the annual purge? I think you'll enjoy that. Like, you know, that <laughs> oh, kind of like <laughs> cheesiness of it. Yeah, that's like probably my my least favorite type of sketch. It's <laughs> like, can you imagine bring up the image? <laughs> yeah, it's just or it's like, can you let's hop into that into that scenario yeah where you just do this long introduction kind of ruins it um as you, as you like straddle the line between stand-up and sketch and i ask everybody this this is like one of the panic questions of the of the show uh Saturday Night live do you have a favorite Saturday Night live cast member do i have a favorite snl cast member well i mean you have to name somebody there's no it's not a do you have it's what is your i'll just say it that way like oh, okay. who is your favorite yeah, you're not going to let me just skip this No, question. I don't. Move on. No. <laughs> yeah. That's no. The answer Can't do is that. no. Anything else? Um, Chris Kattan. Oh, no, I was just trying to make you spit your water out again. No, because I would totally believe you. That's perfectly fine. Like, Didn't you open for him? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. He's, How'd that he's go? A, he's a sweet, sweet guy. He's really cool. He's great. Uh, yeah, it was fine. I'm sorry. I'm, I feel like I'm. I should be getting back to the because he's not yeah. my favorite cast member. Nope, I'm, you said him first. That's what counts. <laughs> Except the first answer. I'm gonna text him right now and be like, please don't listen to this podcast. I'm supposed. To. Wait, he's, you? Yeah, yeah. We're supposed to hang out in LA. I don't know if that's gonna happen, but he. What? Like, he and I like really hit it off. Like, Crazy. Yeah, more than like uh, you know some of the other comics on the show. You have because, Chris Kattan's like, number. Yeah, because that's so cool to me. He was like like, so cool. He texted me like when he got back. Unironically, totally like I am jealous. Like, yeah, that's such a weird thing to me. He's like, you know, whatever. People have like different opinions of him because of like Corky Romano and like stuff that was like, you know, not good. But like as a person, he is hilarious and he's very nice. Yeah, like I mean, I have no issues with him. Like his movies might have been bad, but I love him on SNL. Like they were bad. Mr. Peepers. Is one of the funniest things to me. Like, grow, like when I first watching that, start watching Saturday Night Live, Mr. Peepers was great. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. But um, all right, real oh favorite. Yeah. So to my real, not just favorite, your new best friend, Chris Kattan. I would say, I mean, this is like probably if you've asked this question to other people on the podcast, this is probably the most popular answer. But I'm gonna go with Norm Macdonald. Okay, is he it? he's been coming up a lot. Yeah, like recently. I don't know. Well, he has a new special out yeah um i don't yeah i don't know he's been coming up a lot and i i always i i can't say it like i always bring up this a particular sketch of his i love when he was doing bob dole like for that election bob dole's uh was put in the real world house and they did a sketch of bob dole living in the real world house and they did like (laughs) there was three things like three bits throughout the show and it's just one of the funniest things (laughs) to me ever i love it so much (laughs) 
I've, I've brought it up like maybe like seven times on this podcast. Like, yeah, he's great. He's, it's he's yeah. still so funny. I mean, his new special is really funny. So, I mean, he would probably be, you know, one of my, if not my favorite um, cast. But I also really like the new cast of SNL. Mm-hmm. I think that they're really good. I, uh, I like, I always want to say it's Leslie Jones, right? Yeah. I always want to say Leslie Gore, which is that's a entirely from, different person. Yes, yeah, entirely, <laughs> completely different. I confuse different. my Leslies. <laughs> uh, Leslie Nielsen is that An- another entirely different person? <laughs> gotcha. Different gender too. Yep. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So now I got my Leslies down. Is there another Leslie I'm missing? Um, with with writing. And, okay, so we're gonna stand up. You're, is this the first hour that you you're doing? Like, is this the first time that you're on stage for the whole time? Like, for a whole hour? Like, yeah. Like, what's the longest set you've done prior to this? Thirty-five minutes. All right, so there's like twenty-five minutes that have like yeah. never been seen before. <laughs> yeah, just, and I think about just doing silence. For that. I'm not just just talk slower. Yeah, like, I'm gonna run down to the Wawa and come back, <laughs> and I'll just get on stage and be like, "So, what did you guys do?" So. <laughs> That's 15 minutes lost. All right, let's keep going. Like, yeah, yeah. No, um, it's, it is. I think that's the whole point of the show is it's somebody who's never done an hour of comedy yeah. does an hour of comedy. How are you approaching it? Like, like, do you have like an hour of material that you just never done together at once? Um, or is there going to be a lot of new stuff? Is there? Kind of, it's a little bit of both. So yeah. I've, I've been digging through because I've been doing stand-up for like seven years now. And mm. I've been digging through seven years worth of material like, you know, sometimes going years yeah. back to, like, these little, like, one-liners from, like, five years ago where I'm like, is this funny? <laughs> and some of them actually kind of are funny. <laughs> like, um, like people have been telling me, like, do you remember when I used to live in Philly and, like, it was six years ago and you would do this joke? That was funny. And then I just, like, have been writing that mm-hmm. down and that's going to be in the hour. So it's like, you know, people will be able to tell, I think, what is the new polished stuff and what was a joke I wrote when I still had a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think it's interesting that they are doing it like that good good has started this hour of comedians that have never done hours before like because f- first off like that's the the agreed upon socially that stand up does an hour. Like yeah. your headliner does one hour. That's like you have to get to that point. Um, so kind of forcing you, like, who has, you know, featured or middled at a stand a comedy club before to right. go and do that whole bit, like, has to be a good exercise for everyone that's done it so far. Like, oh, yeah. Apparently, I've only been to, uh, two others, um, to Joe Murdoch and Mackie Leapers, um, but I've talked to people who have been to, like, almost all of them, and apparently mm. they've all been really good. Mm. Like, there hasn't been any, like, weak ones, so, like, apparently, I mean, the pressure is on now. I yeah. can be first. <laughs> yeah, uh, first you, bomb of an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Vetrano. You know, I just want to be first. But, uh, no, it apparently it's, like, going really well. That show. Uh, um, how are you preparing for it? Like, are you doing more open mics? Are you yeah. trying things out for different places? Like, I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of... Um, nervous puking in the morning <laughs> uh which is like just a ritual that i have when well, a we're show still gets close and, and we're nervous. only like two we're still two weeks out so that's might not be the best sign yeah yeah i get nervous like in a because <laughs> this is like i mean it's an hour 
And I just like I'll wake up and I'll just be like, wait, I'm not funny. <laughs> I'm, am I doing an hour? It sounds really long. The last sh- the last seven years have been a charade. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I I mean, and even the first couple of years of me doing stand up, like I wasn't funny. So it's not like I have like seven years of material. I probably have like. Well, you have seven years of material. Just might be three of better material you know like you think about that way i think i was doing some pretty unusable material (laughs) when i first started (laughs) like what like what's like is there something that's like specifically bad that you're just like oh like um well i guess i should say uh i was not out when i first started doing comedy right so i was like doing comedy like and also being very careful to like you know you know, rewriting things like where instead of men, I would say women. And then yeah. like, and so I wasn't like, I didn't like have my voice. I didn't, I wasn't able to like find my voice because I was like, you know, lying to an audience. Right. Which is fine like, too, but lying in a lame way. Because you came out pretty public. Like, were you out to like, I mean, I was going to ask this after we record, but since you brought up, were you like out to like friends and family? No. So everything was that public. You know, I came out on a podcast, actually. Right. That's yeah. a, like, I, I knew it was public. I knew it Sorry, was... Sorry, it wasn't this one. It's fine. Yeah. I, you don't I'm have to... gay, Mom and Dad. You hear that? I'm gay. <laughs> they'll, how, they'll act like as if How it's awkward it to be for me to like have that recording for like a week and a half before you're like ready to send it out to everybody. Like, <laughs> yeah. I could tell my parents that I'm straight right now. <laughs> I could go still... back in the closet on a podcast. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, you, you were out there on the podcast like because I, I couldn't remember if it was podcast or hang on or like I just remember that it was a, a very public yeah it was form compared to right yeah it was um Keith and the girl was the podcast right okay 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 and which is like you know one in New York and so they said like uh they asked me before they're like because uh, they'd seen me perform on a comedy show and Philly's funniest in the finals mm-hmm. and they were like um are you, uh, they said they were the judges, so they invited me to the podcast, and they were like, yeah, we knew you weren't going to win because you were too gay. And I was like, oh, oh okay. They're like, But they meant that, you know, as if, like, it's just not what the club likes. Right. Like, they liked me. They loved me. But uh, the club was like, you know, we're not going to pick this guy. We want somebody with general appeal or yeah. whatever. Uh, and so then, so I, they're like, can we talk about this on the podcast? And I was like, ah, sure. And they're like, do your parents know? And I was like, no. And they're like, so you want to talk about it? And I was like, sure. Oh <laughs> it was just like a moment where I was like, whatever. Like, and so, um, yeah, and so they asked me, they're like, when did you tell your friends? Oh, so I had actually come out to my friends a month before, and I'll get to that. But okay. So, and they said, when did you tell your friends that you were gay? And I was like, a month ago. And they're like, what about your parents? And I was like, two sentences ago. <laughs> and... <laughs> And then I was like, Mom and Dad, listen to this podcast. I think you'll find it quite interesting. And then my mom clicks, and she's like, uh, she's like, okay, let me see. The name of the podcast is Dan Comes Out. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, just listen. There's a little something in there. She's like, I knew from the title, and also I've known your entire okay, life. Okay, because yeah. I was about to ask, how did that go over? Like, Oh, yeah. I was, I was like, I'm gay. And my mom's like, yeah, you didn't know. Like, <laughs> she's like, it was very, they were like, I knew, but yeah, yeah. I know. Um, oh, but so then I came out to my friends uh, at the comedy award show with the Widins. The yeah, the, the Widins. Wait, Widouts. Widouts. The Widins. The official ones or the the the, the renegade? Ones okay. Were the Widouts, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so the Widouts. That sounds so awful that there was an official comedy award. Like it's such <laughs> <know>. a weird. <laughs> 
And then an unofficial one. Yeah, and then, yeah, there was a there was a renegade one across town. Yeah. Do you mean the real so comedy weird. awards or the silly comedy awards? So, uh, so you did something there too, like that's. Uh, yeah, that's where I came out to the comedy scene. Okay. And I like I got very drunk, <laughs> and I just sat down with my boyfriend, who is now my husband. And I was like, oh, by the way, this guy I've been hanging out with, I'm gay. He's my boyfriend. And yeah, we're not just like, hanging out. Like, yeah, I was just like very drunk. I was like, this is my vibe. And so everybody's like, oh, okay, cool. And then I went to Fergie's uh, to the open mic. There's mm-hmm. an open mic at Fergie's Pub, like right after that. And I did a set with my gay friend Alejandro where I just like come out like a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then like this, this, um, this great guy, Dugan, um, Dugan Shane, he like, he, he had to follow me, and so it was like I told everybody I was gay, and I got like a minute of applause. And then they're like, "All right, let's bring up the next comic." And it was just, you can't really follow that. Was, like, I felt so bad. I still apologize. Oh, I'm like, "Sorry, you really, your set really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all my fault." <laughs> so I start every set by saying I'm gay, and this is the first time that anyone's ever been told I kill. Yeah, because what was it? Um, Todd Glass, like he came out on. Mark Maron's podcast, yeah, yeah. and he talked about like breaking the habit of writing jokes, you know, of my girlfriend or like, yeah, like he had done that for 15, 20 years, and like, you know, being honest and open again on stage instead of trying just to create the persona. Because mm-hmm. he even mentioned like he still, or at least, you know, at the time, like he was still saying my girlfriend for like a year or so after he right. did that interview. Like, did yeah. you have that like transition of like, breaking a habit of yeah i think uh i didn't really wind up like translating my jokes from straight to gay i just kind of like wrote a lot of new jokes actually like what i really did was once i came out like i came up with a, like i wrote a like a i'm gay set for anybody who just like still hadn't heard like you know people mm-hmm. that just aren't on facebook or whatever right and so i wrote like a bunch of jokes about like um like coming out and stuff and so and then it just immediately was like oh wow this is like so much easier to write observational humor because i'm not like pretending to have an there's not an extra yeah. filter that yeah. you're going through yeah and i lie in all my stand-up but it's always based on a truth and before right. then it was like not even based on a truth it was yeah there, there's a difference between like earlier today i was walking through the park and like yeah this experience happened months ago versus <laughs> I was with my girlfriend last night. Like, yeah, there's never a, at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually did have a girlfriend, I should say. So, I mean, maybe I could have based it on her. Wow. She would probably be really disappointed to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even write jokes about her when I was pretending to be straight. <laughs> How much of an insult is that? You so didn't I, care enough about me to lie yeah, in your jokes. Like You couldn't have just used me as inspiration <laughs> for your lying. Yeah. Um, so why why do you still pursue comedy? Why do you still do it? Like what's the money? It's just so much money. It's just so much money all the time that, you know, I would have quit if it wasn't for all this money that I'm getting. <laughs> Um, no, it's, it's, you know, it's addicting. It's just a totally addicting. It's like once you, you know, start having things go well for you and, you know, like a club wants to book you or like a a person that is kind of famous, like tells you that you're funny, then you get Chris Kattan's phone number in your phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you're not getting that phone number. (laughs) 
Okay, he's grabbing my phone, everyone. He's grabbing my phone. No, I'm not. Yeah. And he just ran out of the room. Uh, I could have totally done the sound effects the entire time if you wanted to play with that. Like, we could have planned that. Just, uh, I could imagine his ringtone is the Night at the Roxbury song. Who's this? Philadelphia? Um, but so, uh, yeah, and I do it just because I'm, like, totally hooked. And also, like, you know, I found my voice and that's how I express myself. Mm-hmm. So like really good for um, like helping with depression. Like if you're depressed, you can like perform about it, but then also it makes you depressed. Yeah. So it's like a vicious. Yeah. There is a little cycle yeah. to it. Yeah. Uh, and as you straddle between doing sketch with McGrail or, you know, stand up, what's something that you've learned about co- like what's something that comedy has taught you or, What's something that you could pass on to somebody that has, you know, is new to the scene or something that is that I have learned. Jeez. Oh, my God. I've learned nothing. I've learned nothing. (laughs) I mean, you've learned stuff about yourself, I'm sure. I have. have. Um, No, I think I think actually uh, it's funny that you're asking, you know, about advice and stuff. I think like comedy advice is something that most comedians should be wary of. Because, mm-hmm. especially in stand-up, I mean, don't take a stand-up class. Don't, like, you know, listen to people when they tell you you should change this to that to this to that. I mean, unless they're saying, like, hey, that joke really sucks or that joke it belongs to somebody else. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just such a self-teaching thing. It's like you get funnier because you learn more about yourself and you teach yourself so you know like watch yourself perform watch uh you know listen to your sets but i you know comedy advice is like if somebody's like hey here's a funny tag for your joke like okay that's okay but you know there's a lot of people that you know say you should sign up for the class and read this book on how to do comedy it's called Mm. comedy 101 so you think you're funny you know those those books are just you know pointless and they don't really find help you find who you are. They just help you find like, you know, a style that works yeah. in clubs in the eighties. Yeah. There's a, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I guess out of that you get like, uh, you know, to do their little competition where you can like host a show. Yeah. And, but I mean the actual class, like not for me, <laughs> <laughs> not my thing. Although you are the second person to say not to take classes. So, Oh, so I'm not original. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Greg Gether was like, don't take classes, go somewhere else, do something else. Like, yeah. So, for sin, I mean, for sketch, sketch is different. I will say, like, sketch and improv, those are different because... Those Did you do any sketch or improv classes? I've actually never taken a sketch class. I, ha- I had an improv coach for a year and a half. Um, Why? Because I was in an improv group, actually. Wait, what? Why, oh, why did I miss this? Why did I forget about this? forgot about this. We were called Bulletproof Giraffe. Okay, I, that name sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's the fame that we who reached. who all was in this. That sounds vaguely familiar. Is how famous we were. Well, I mean, <laughs> bulletproof giraffe. I think I may have heard of that. Yeah, um, I think that was I think at one point. Yeah, we did. We were <laughs> we were the Connie's Rick Rack House team. Right. Thank okay. You very much. Yeah. So, I do remember this. Heard of us now? Yeah. Okay. You know that dive bar? Yeah. Um. Because it was one of the family members, or two, like one or two. Owned it. Yeah, yeah it's not like we worked our way. It was this guy, Frankie, who was, yeah. uh, you know, really into improv, and he uh, owned the bar, so we would do it. But 
But so we had an improv coach, um, and he was great. His name was Tony DiGirolmo. I don't know if you know him at all. See, yeah, I guess he doesn't really, like, he doesn't teach at, like, the fit or anything like that. Right. But he was a great improv teacher. And he, um, you know, it was it's a totally different muscle. Like, uh, I still do improv here and there at, at Good Good Comedy. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it was, like... I don't remember what I was saying actually about this. I'd Why did we get to this improv thing? Oh yeah, classes. classes yeah. yeah. So take a class or like you know have a coach or a teacher. That's something that's like a skill that can easily be taught. Mm. Uh, whereas sketch comedy, sketch writing, it's a very like you know difficult thing that. Yeah, I think I think there is a big a difference between um, learning the structures of sketch comedy versus stand up because like yeah, you can write a joke, but there's a diff- like. The th- you know you and I can re- have the same joke and we both could like say it differently, mm-hmm. and it, it's completely different or like experience like, right? You know, as white males, there are like white bearded males. There are like certain ex- experiences that overlap that we can both do. Yeah, white bearded. Males. Yeah, that's the new uh, uh, <laughs> personal ad in the back of the city paper. White BMs. And <laughs> I don't need to sit there and listen to a WBM. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I used to have my ponytail. SJW. Yeah, 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 yeah. WBMs, <laughs> ISO. What's uh, ISO? Uh, in search of, like in the personal, like have you ever like those personal ads where like it's all letters and like, uh, whatever. No. Okay. I. Uh, I don't you're like those. you're married. You don't need to know anymore. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I'll, I'll check them out tonight. <laughs> if you want, I'll I'll go through them. I'll get back to you. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Dan will be a guest on Comedy Psychoanalysis on Friday, August 11th at 8.30 p.m. at Good Good Comedy. And then on Sunday, August 13th, 8.30, The Good Good Hour with Dan Vetrano, an hour stand-up from Dan. Tickets for both of those shows are available at goodgoodcomedy.com. Don't forget, Philly Sketch Fringe, September 15th, three shows featuring some of the best Philly has to offer. Tickets are available at myfirstsketch.com slash phillysketchfringe. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest or on Facebook, Philly Sketch Fest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. And of course, like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Baby, don't hurt me.